Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a weekly podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Ben Young, filling in once again for your sci-fi host, Colin Brandon, who doesn't watch the movies. And with me tonight is... I'm Bill Jarvis. That's right, no one but us watched the movie. Because yeah. we are dedicated to the craft, and they are not. I, I guess that's all we could say about it. Right? I, f- I feel like we have great episodes one-on-one. I mean... We do. We have the be- Our Westworld episode was fantastic. I feel like we mentioned that about 15 times so far. It's, <laughs> listen to it's it. available now for wherever you listen to it. It's off of our Patreon wall and uh, in the real world. So you could go check it out. Yep. Tonight, we're talking about... Bak Yorau. Bak Yorau, I believe is how you say it. Bak Yorau. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't roll my R's. I think there's a little bit of a rolled R like, in there, but like I, a, I'm like not a, really good at like it. Like a Bak Yorau. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, a little bit like that. Yeah. Um, This uh, this film was uh, came out in 2019, 2020-ish. It, I think it had like a limited release in 2019, and then I like, really saw the world in 2020. Um, or it was at the end of 2019, so no one really saw it until later. Anyway, uh, directed by... Oh boy! Uh, I got gotcha. <laughs> you. Gotcha. You got it. it? It's a it's a Clever Mendonça Fijo. It's Fijo. All right. Yeah, Cle- and Clever Mendonça Fijo. And uh, Giuliano <laughs> is. I think that's a Giuliano Donelis. That's yeah. That works. All right. Uh, written by them. <laughs> uh, produced by Emily Lasclau, uh, Said Ben Said, uh, Michel Merkt. Uh, it stars Sonia Braga, uh, Thomas Aquino, Silvero Pereira, Karina Tellis. I hope, I think I did pretty okay with those. Did you actually do uh, pretty good, yeah. And, and of course, Udo Kier. I don't know why. Oh, no, his, I did say Udo Kier. Did I say Udo Kier? No. Uh, Udo Kier, where, where are my eyes, like, messed up? Uh, Udo Kier, Barbara Cohen, Pullen, um... I think that's everyone, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. That's um. I mean, that's most of it. That's the bulk of it. Uh, cinematography from Pedro Sotero, uh, and uh, it's is a this is a Brazilian and French collab, mm-hmm. Brazil and French, which I think is is very very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a budget, but I do have a box office, uh, three point five million, um. It also is worth noting that this film was selected to compete for the Palme d'Or at the 2019 Cannes Film Festival and won the jury prize, which is, is quite prestigious. Quite prestigious. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and... and oh, uh, and also this was on uh, the list of, of Barack Obama's uh, favorite movies in 2020. He, he released it. So, all right. Uh, why don't you tell us what it's about, Ben? Sure, Ben. Uh, before I do, I do want to say this. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be purposely vague here because I think after watching this, if this is a movie you haven't seen, I think this is a less you know, the better situation. Kind of like Cabin in the Woods as well, where it's just like, this is definitely a movie that you want to unfold for yourself as you watch it and really kind of don't want to know what's coming. Because if you do, I think it kind of hurts it a little bit. So if you haven't seen this and you are interested in watching it, just know it's great. Go check it out. Uh, it's it's not as sci-fi as I thought it was, mm-hmm. was going to be, but I think we talked about that. But it is still good. Go check it out. 
synopsis. Following the death of Bacurau's matriarch, the citizens of the small Brazilian village fight against encroaching white tourism brought in by their local governments. <laughs> it's vague, but that's it. So if you're like, okay, I, uh, that's all you get. That's all you get. You need to go watch the movie now. Um, for those of you who have watched the movie, you're, you're, you may be listening to that and you go, oh, I see what you did there. Uh, uh, that's funny. <laughs> that's good. Please, at this point, please turn off this podcast and go watch the movie. <laughs> please go watch it. It's insane. Yeah. Um, and we're going to talk about it now. This was your last chance. Turn around. So first of all, I do want to say, uh, I, I think I mentioned leading up to this, I'm not, I wasn't sure how sci-fi it was because mm -hmm. people are like, eh, sci-fi. But uh, I, I do think it, it kind of falls into the low sci-fi category. Mm -hmm. um, the, the movie actually starts off with a great, great move by saying a few years from now, rather than saying what year this actually is. Yeah. Uh, which, which really kind of presents it timelessly at this point, because this is always going to be something... I think this movie will be timeless as far as uh, uh, until until everything comes to an end, I guess. But um, yeah. but it is uh, it's something that I think a lot of a lot of areas could probably relate to quite well. Uh, yeah. Wild. It was, I, it was wild. <laughs> I wasn't expecting anything like this. I was like so fucking mesmerized by it while at the same time, like confused. Because it feels like the beginning of the film opens on a tiny town of, you know, a very limited population. And, uh, you know, they, they, they're all gathered for their, you know, communal event of their matriarch dying. And, and you know, it's kind of like that small, tiny, provincial little town where, you know, like, you know, things are coming up. You know, they've got, you know, water coming into town. They've got electricity. They've got all this stuff. But then, like... But then odd things start happening. Like, where did the water go? Everything like that. But before that point, it, it felt like an entirely different movie than it actually went, wound up being. It was, a, it was very tricky. The very beginning of the movie is very, very tricky. And then there's this point where it's like, boom. Nope, this is what we're doing now. Like, it was just, it's, it's, it's an insane movie. It's, and literally, like, it's, it's insane, and the characters induced insanity upon themselves, and the Taurus are psychopathic. It's just all psychopathic, all over, but in a very subdued way. In a very, mm -hmm. like, real-world, like, way. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I would call it, you know, it's like one of those things that, like, I don't know. There's a lot of things that are packed in here, so I don't want to like get too far off. But yeah, what, what's your take on the at the beginning of the movie where we start off and where we go from there? Yeah, well, like everything as far as like the beginning, you know, you 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 enter this small village, obviously having a tough time. We meet the their corrupt mayor Tony. Uh, is it Tony Jr. Tony Jr. Yep. Who is <laughs> this this big dirtbag who's who's donating all these crappy books and this expired food in the worst but, way possible? <laughs> like I got you so many books and it's like a giant dump <laughs> truck of books. Like 
Okay. And he he films it like like that helps. Like if I saw that, I'd be like, yikes. Yeah. Like right. if I saw that video, I'd be like, what is he? What is happening here? I think they caused structural um, damage to that school with those books. <laughs> but he also he also like supplies them with with what appears to be their greatest weapon. I think, uh, which is interesting. I I, I think I, I don't know if this this pill exists. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called uh, what was it called again? Broville Four or something, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, like um, where it, like subdues your. Well, no, it, it didn't. Okay, so I'm confused now because I feel like I, there's a little confusion here. So th- they have a pill that uh, dampens emotion, right? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a mood dampener, but also a massive painkiller. Right, right, and so like so, but the thing that they took later on in order to make the ending possible that was something different, right? No, I think it's the pill. I'm I'm almost certain, because they never really explain what they're on, but I'm pretty sure it's a it's the pill to number one. Uh, stop any suppress any pain that they may experience during this fight mm-hmm. and number two it it keep it allows them to kind of enter this state of like mm-hmm. uh psychopathic apathy right right you know like it allows them to 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 do these acts which they normally wouldn't be capable of doing yeah and i think that's that's I'm what's happening sure. here and, and it, it, that's uh, okay okay i'll look it up while we're while we're talking but yeah, I, I I got the feeling that that was some sort of like, because they had these. Well, I guess you know what? Maybe you are right because throughout the whole film, you know, they're giving people these, these this medication. And I always thought it was just like some sort of provincial medicine or something they had there. But like, I guess maybe yeah, okay. You they know also what? You take them for the that. funerals as well, yeah. uh, assumingly to deal with the sadness and right. things like that. You know, it's uh, you know, they that and and uh. Dominguez, uh, she she tells them like exactly that. Like, that's why I think it's that is because she tells everyone exactly what it does. She's like, these are the pills. This is what they do. Anyway, take them if you want. I'm not gonna stop you. Like yeah, because you know who is she to stop them if that's what they want? Uh, she just wants them to have all the information because she is a, a, a she's a good doctor. <laughs> yeah, but uh. I'm pretty sure that's what they are, uh, because why else would they go through the trouble of explaining those? Right? Uh, yeah, no, that's right. Because you know, if they if they explain those, what was the point? Good point. Good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Because it seems like, see, someone someone on a review just said that you know is they have psychotropic hallucinogens that they take for different ceremonies. Anyway. Whatever. Mm. Anyway, wh- whatever the origin of it. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm gonna go with what you say because I, I believe that that makes more sense because I think. That's and one true. way or it, it does work better too because now you mm-hmm. have uh, their government supplying them with these pharmaceuticals, but also their government is is supplying them with the apathy. Yeah. The government is supplying them with the the disregard for human life. Like they're the, the, he Tony Jr. is the cause for all of this in the end. You know, yeah. one way or another. He 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 tries to because like let's let's talk about what the actual like bit is like this is a story about a small village being wiped out in favor of tourism right yeah like no, that yeah. is that's what the point is yeah I, and it, this it, this village is fighting back it's it's a you know it's a representation of model, modern sort of colonialism is that like mm-hmm. you know there's a corporate interest or some sort of you know American 
or Western interest uh, coming in and uh, deciding that this is where I want this or this, you have a resource that I want and destroy the place. This was, this just took away any sort of, any sort of, any sort of reason for it. It just sort of took away. It was just like sort of a fantasy that these people were playing out, but it wound up being a revenge fantasy that the town got. <laughs> so yes. it's like, so they ultimately got the real meaningful revenge out of it. Whereas, mm-hmm. um, you know, these, you know, the, like you said, white tourists, uh, just kind of were going on a killing spree cause they were a bunch of, you know, um, suburban psychopaths, um, but, psychopaths and racists and, well, everybody in that was racist. Every single person, every single white person there was racist. Like, mm-hmm. like there was these, you know, like, you know, there was an indication that, you know, the two, uh, the two people that sold out the village, one didn't sell out the village, but were helping them, um, yeah. as, uh, was it Forasteria or Forasteria or whatever. Anyway, um, so, you know you know, don't speak Brazilian here. And, you know, it's like, you know, I thought we would help you. And it's like, what do you mean you're helping us? You're not one of us. And, you know, that whole thing. And there were so many indications. He literally of, says, you're not white. Yeah, but <laughs> you're not white. Like, and, and there's so many indications of like, oh, it's just a shithole town. You know, like, like how, you know, like our former President Trump referred to a shithole country. You know, like, you know, there's all these sorts of ideas that come out. Um that are so prevalent in, um, and accepted in a lot of ways that the, you know, the, the farther the distance, the easier it is to deal with violence, you mm-hmm. know? So it's like, you know, when the violent countryside and the violent politics of Brazil, you know, most of us are not even aware that that's happening. And yet, mm-hmm. you know, and then <laughs> these people take advantage of it, take advantage of the violent tendency of Brazilian politics for their own needs, their own way of murdering people. It's just insane. It's just an insane movie, honestly. And and embrace embrace crime and embrace their criminals. You know, we don't totally know what uh Lunga and Pakot uh what they did per se. We know Pakot is some sort of assassin. Uh we know he works for Lunga mm. uh and we know the government definitely wants Lunga uh, for whatever reason, my only assumption at the end of all of this, with all the information we've been given, is that they they're they're less criminals and more revolutionaries at the end of the day. Um, especially with how much they even Lunga loves the town. You know, he talks about how much he hated um, the village growing up when he left there and uh, had grown to love it. Or not, he didn't say, he doesn't say he'd grown to love it, but he does say how much he hated it beforehand, and, you know, now he's back, and so. Yeah, and uh, and it's interesting because, you know, these people are really, like, their guardians, you know, they are, you mm-hmm. know, the people that guard the town, and, and they, you know, welcome them as heroes, even though, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're murderers, you know, <laughs> they, they, they are people that murder and but like in in the reality of this situation which i don't you know other than and you know i don't know this but you know other than the murder tourism you know this is kind of like this kind of feels very authentic in a lot of ways and i feel like that's that's a huge part of what this movie is trying to portray is that this is you know a town that might exist 
in some way or another within, you know, the Brazilian countries, countryside, um, or South American, you know, city, countryside, whatever. And it's like, you get a sense of real people having real stories within the town, that these yeah. are real human beings. And you can't just say an entire town was taken away because of so-and-so. You have to really face that, you know, these are real people with real stories, and they are dealing with their environment in the best way that they can manage. and um. And then the and then some huge thing that you can't control comes in and wipes it out, and that's in, that's colonialism, that's imperialism, yeah. In general, yeah, I just just mentioning the characters, like I would watch, I would watch a TV show just a, as a character story about this town. Mm-hmm. Like everyone was so interesting and so fully fleshed out and and so fun to watch and inter- and you know like it. It hurt when you, when you lost some of them, and 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 you know it hurt more when you lost others of them. But uh, and, and like like yeah, it, like like just like Picot. Picot was a really fascinating character. Uh, Mister Plinio, fan, fantastic. Like obviously Domingas, wonderful. And yeah, I mean that's all. I just wanted to say how like how much they they are like they are like people and. Yeah. They they were so fully developed in like the short amount of time for how many people there were, and they weren't not all of them were developed in ways that were like individual development, but there the, the entire town the citizens have a story arc throughout this, and it's very cool to see like you know this this unification this coming together to protect something that's important to them just the place they live, um, it's really powerful. Yeah, and I mean there's a couple you know the. The sort of, sort of leads uh, was it, Clavia Sousa as Angela and Thomas Aquino as Picot, like you were saying earlier. Those mm-hmm. two actors are amazing. Like like um, Thomas Aquino, like he, the way he was he was excellent. I'd really love to see him in something else, which I'll look up his IMDb page because uh, I'm getting more into foreign films right now and um, yeah, and everything like that. So I mean, I just like. The, the way they, the emote, the, you know, we weren't speaking the same language, but that didn't matter in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. And, um, his scene in the Jeep. <laughs> yes. When he's, yes. when he's yelling at the two dead bodies of his friends. Yep. And he's just fantastic like, scene. Mm-hmm. That's good. And then, um, and then when he was dealing with the, uh, with the bikers, the two bikers, um, and he was, you know, the way he was emoting with them was interesting. Very well done. Um, there's just a lot there's a, there's a lot to this film with the acting but also the way they dealed with you know production of the film and you know this is a real town that they found you know this is mm-hmm. a real town a real place and you know they had you know people from the town working production they had people from the town working as extras and um and you know it it was really authentic and it was a real yeah. place and you know this is a story told within this environment but it's a real place and you can tell that when you're going through it yet this is like a weird you know whenever i see uh udo kier uh the guy who plays michael yeah. whenever i yeah. see him i always think um i don't know i always think of just like sort of i don't know uh, i don't want to say exploitation but sort of along those lines i always think like some sort of exploitation film that's just what i feel maybe there's more to this than 
just like he's always in some sort of exploitation. He's always film, he's or? always he's always doing something that's more along the lines of being that you know extreme character actor, while at the yeah. same time being in an environment that's I don't know I I don't know why I, in my mind I associate this guy with gore. I'm not sure, but <laughs> but he's a, he's he's a good. I think he's a good bad guy. That's, and, yeah, yeah. You know, like they they I I've read here that like uh who was it? Uh David Friend of the Canadian Press highlighted Udo Kier's performance saying it's one of his best villainous roles. I think that's true. I think that's very mm-hmm. definitely true. He's at, at some points a little cartoony for me. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, he at the same time is just so interesting to watch that it's like He's doing it. He's if he's being cartoony, he's doing it on purpose, and it has a it has a point. And I think uh, leading up to the end, well, first of all, he's always speaking Spanish instead of Portuguese. I always think it's a very funny thing. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Oh man, some some words are the same across languages, oh, but um, he 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 says uh, he says hombre or mujer when he's saying man or woman, yeah, and that's Spanish. That's Spanish, uh, not, not Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, he doesn't get, like, it's just, like, these weird things. I, I, he's just so much fun to watch to be this, this bad guy, you know? Tony, De Niro, De Niro. <laughs> De Niro, De Niro. They don't even use De Niro. <laughs> I'm pretty sure De Niro is not Portuguese at all. There's, like, a weird crossover sometimes. Um, well, it's funny. It's like, it's like the lack of care for any sort of culture that might exist here already. It's just complete yep. lack of care for that. And it's it's so interesting because, like, you know, like, there's... <clears throat> at some point, he calls the language Brazilian instead of Portuguese. Yes, oh, he does. That's hilarious because that's, like, that's, like, 100%. Like, if I asked, like, I guarantee you, if I asked 100 people, 100 American people in my suburb right now, what language do they speak in Brazil? They'd say either, either Spanish. Spanish or Brazilian. <laughs> or Brazilian. Nobody would say Portuguese. And, and yeah, and... That just kind of shows, like, that's sort of, like, what the film is about in a lot of ways when it comes to, like, a widespread audience. They might come for, like, the weird, twisted story, but at the same time, at the beginning, you really see, like, a real, real culture, a real place. And I feel like Mm -hmm. I keep coming to that point, but that's, like, what stuck with me, is, like, the reason that you sort of embrace this revenge story that the Mm -hmm. town has, the psychopathic, you know revenge story of people defending themselves and brutally murdering the people that came to kill them is mm-hmm. um is you know because you realize these are real people and this is like i think when they uh luga i think it was his name luga um yeah. when uh sorry uh, when uh angela leans over and she's like did luga, do you think luga or no when uh when Picote leans over to angela and says do you think he went too far and angela says no I think it's Teresa, by the way. Teresa? Teresa, I'm, not I Angela, keep, yeah. I keep... Angela, I think, was her sister. Yeah, sorry. Yes, Teresa. There are a lot of names. There's a sorry. lot of fucking names. I'm sorry, I'm just kind of It's okay. Yes. And then it doesn't help that they don't have pictures. Um, yes, but yes, yes. Uh, when uh, Picot leans over to Teresa and says, do you think you went too far? He says, She says, no. And you're like, oh, no. yeah, I kind of agree with you. Um, yeah, but... <laughs> well, they, you know, I think it's important to note is that like people would be like, well, they, 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 they murdered. They're just as bad. They had to take drugs to be able to do this. That's the, I think, a big point is that they, they couldn't have done this without, without the, the apathy prescribed to them by their government. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they're not capable. They, these people, as just normal people, are not capable of what they've just done. But they are able to do what is necessary to protect their home and themselves. They're not willing to be walked all over. And that's something that's like so beautifully universal that I think when, when you break it down for someone like that, I think anyone could kind of side with, you know, like they're all they want to do is live in their town. And that's they're not asking for a lot here. <laughs> they, yeah. they want to live and they want to not die. And that is it. Wow, so entitled. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, and, and it's kind of like, and I'm, I'm, this is definitely me just looking three layers in at this point, um, is like that sort of apathy that they have, that they had to take drugs to do what they did. Uh, well, the Americans, the white people did not need to do that. They just mm -hmm. didn't care. They just started yeah. out not caring about these people. You know, it was just you know, non-people, because they, you know, they look different, they speak a different language, and they live in an impoverished area where nobody cares about them. And, yeah. you know, people die mysteriously all the time here, so who cares? Yep. Um, and, you know, being sold out by your government is a really, and I was looking it up, is kind of a common, common story in South America, but also Brazil and specifically, that, you know, politicians selling out their people for larger large amounts of money is very common and so it's like mm -hmm. so it's like you see this on this you know grotesque scale you know on this horrifying scale to get your attention but it's real life it's it happens you know and it's like maybe there are more steps in between and it's not as grotesque but you know it's it's there you know it's it's yeah. it's really happening and you really have to realize that it's happening and, you know, it's maybe there's, you know, sort of, you know, media interpretation of it is not as, as profound because it's so far away, you know? And so, you know, it's like when, so when we, you know, when we hear of people coming to the border because they're trying to flee from the horrifying conditions that they live in, that they don't feel safe in, and they, you know, are fighting for their lives. I mean, and then you hear you know, and then you hear that story and you don't care. Well, you're the white people in this movie. You don't care. You just don't give a shit. They're less than you. You know, it's like, and it just bothers me when, you know, when we see these sorts of stories and we just don't care. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I've, I've, you know, I guess, like, I've always heard of, like, places being sold out by their government down there to, like, you know, for tourism and things of that nature. I've always kind of known that's the way that, like, things like that happen. But, like, this definitely, even just seeing this movie has, has drawn my attention to it a lot more to, like, look into things, you know. So, like, the movie also does a fantastic job in just letting people know what the fuck is going on. And, you know, obviously it's not, it's not, uh, like you said, it's, it's hyperbolic. But yeah. to prove a point, um, but it's drawing off of obviously real pain mm -hmm. from Brazilian citizens, you know, like, you know, from the writers and the directors, the same people, um, all the way to the people starring in it. Like you can see like real pain going on here and it's, it's just really great. It's like Lunga, Lunga's, we, we don't, we don't talk about Lunga because Lunga doesn't get a lot, but his actor is, is portrays this like 
this this guy who's who has always done what he felt was necessary, never what he wanted to. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't want to be to have this situation that's kind of thrust upon him, where he's like living in this abandoned dam and away from everyone, struggling for food. You know, this this isn't your the kind of criminal that's like profiting and doing well. You know, like he he seems to be the kind of person who's done things. Pakotu, the kind of person who's done things only because they feel that they have to do these things, not because that they they are proud of it or want to do it. Yeah, no, and that's I mean that's a huge thing that I might have not picked up on as much because you know I I see this guy and he wow so he, yes his actor was incredible. Um, let mm-hmm. me look at that. The name of the actor for Lunga is Silvero Pereira. Silvero Sil, Silvero Pereira. Um. And, um, yeah, he did such a fantastic job. And like you said, like, you know, at some point I think, uh, the teacher said, you were always a great writer. You could be a writer. And then he says, well, that's too bad. Cause this is what the fuck happened. You know, mm-hmm. like he just like, yeah, that's well, that's in the past. Um, mm-hmm. and this is what I have to do now. And like you said, living in a dam, I mean, who wants to do that? Nobody wants to do that, but he's defending his family. He's defending his home. And his his friend at one point says uh, Lunga Lunga's exhausted. And Lunga says no, I'm hungry, and I think that's that's a big thing that that there's kind of every like lower class citizen can feel right now. Yeah. Like like oh well, the first thing you want to say is that you're exhausted, that you're tired, and then no, you realize you're not tired at all. You're hungry, and not just hungry. He's not just hungry for food when he says that. Yeah, he's he is hungry for. For action, he's hungry for change, and uh, that's what drives him to go back to to go back to his home and help people, which is really interesting. Yeah, I would. Uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about some sci-fi here. <laughs> oh, oh, right, oh, right. I forgot this is a sci-fi uh, podcast. You know, it's it's very much. Um, it, I like I said, I think uh, Wikipedia calls this a weird Western film, and I feel that. Uh, you know, a cross-bending, a cross-genre bending kind of idea um, well, of, I've... like, Western styles. It's very Seven Samurai. Yes, there we go. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, obviously, Lunga coming back to train the town. We don't get a lot of the training aspect of the whole thing, but the outlaw coming to train the town, protect them kind of thing. Um, oh. But there is sci-fi stuff going on throughout this movie. Yeah, um, <laughs> there is this, the, 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 you know, but only in the form of like small things, which is, you know, you got this UFO drone, mm. number one. Yeah, obviously not, you know, obviously doesn't exist. Uh, the phones that they're working with, mm-hmm. you could see the one at one point that she's holding uh, for, with the translator. Yeah, um, these little uh, dashboards <coughs> with wanted posters for the for the drivers out here to uh, keep an eye out. You know, the government encouraging you to always keep watching for, for any kind of traitors out here. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's just little, little things that, like, do, I, in my opinion, firmly, firmly root this in, in a low sci-fi setting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, you know, and that's, I mean, it's realistic. Like, if the entire world had this, you know, these amazing technologies or these amazing infrastructure improvements, but you still have this shit, you know, what they call a shithole town in Brazil, yes. you know, they, 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 you know, that would not reach there except in very small ways. So it's realistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's like, you know, a few years into the future or, you know, in a few years, you know, this is really where we're at. You know, if we, you know, they had our, 
distance and we had technologies and, you know, we got bored. And, you know, psychopathic white people wanted to go to South America and kill an entire village of people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, you know. It happens. It happens, you know. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I didn't, you know, it didn't lean too heavily into the sci-fi, the sort of science of it. It really, it didn't, but there was a lot of, um, and they call it social horror, social horror genre, which is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. um, what is it? Like, uh, sorry to bother you, uh, get out, get out yeah, yeah, for big time. And that's, I mean, that's a big part of, uh, of sort of a sort of genre that's coming up in the last few years simply because people are starting to emphasize inequality. And that's a huge part of society right now. It's very topical. I mean, it's part of, you know, sort of something, you know, to some people is coming to a head. So it's like, so it's like, you know, we're a couple, and I'm, I'm going to be totally honest. I'm, I'm, you know, my hands are on the table. I mean, it's like, my cards are on the table. I mean, it's like we're a couple white dudes from suburbia. That's who we are. And like, that's mm-hmm. just who we are. And so us, us talking about this is us, you know, sort of, you know, it's a film that had sci-fi elements and that's good for us. That's uh, that's what we do. And I feel like getting it out there is important, but you know, to say anything about the actual struggle itself would be, you know, a disservice to the actual struggle because we don't feel it. That's not us. We're not those people. And so it's like, Excellent. so it's, it's a really good to sort of like see a real story about real people in the setting. But in terms of sci-fi, I mean, I feel like it's, I feel like it's more of like the sort of post-apocalyptic dystopian. I mean, it is dystopian in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, it mm-hmm. is definition of dystopian at this point in the context of this village. But at the same time, it's dystopian for the rest of the world outside of these sort of like western you know privileges and so um i feel like that's a big aspect it's sort of like sci-fi in a very social way yeah i i I agree with that um and if you know i that's always been kind of like i I, it's always been sci-fi i really like i love space stuff don't get me wrong Mm -hmm. like space stuff's fucking great space stuff's awesome can't wait for the next season of the expanse um (laughs) but like i i've always there's been always kind of something that spoke to me in the form of like sci-fi stories that are, are only just kind of barely scratching the surface of sci-fi sci-fi. That's just using a couple. It's just elevating it a little bit to be like, yes, this is in the future. Um, but it's a future that you recognize because it's playing out right now. Like you are seeing the building blocks for this future getting laid out right now. Uh, we're halfway up that tower and, and, what you're about to see looks a little familiar to you because it's happening. And I think that's something that's like really important to like remind people a lot with like sci-fi is like sci-fi can be escapist, but can also be something that can like really draw attention to the fact that like the future is, is, is literally unfolding. Uh, You know, it seems so obvious to say, but the future is unfolding in front of you, you know, faster than ever. And he, you know, at the end of the movie, Michael tells them that uh, this is only the beginning, and because it is, yeah. do you think the the guy, just because they send Tony Junior off into the desert doesn't mean the rest of Sarah Verde is going to be like, oh well, you know, Bakurao, they they managed that to withstand that one, so bye. No, there's obviously been money in exchanged here. Mm-hmm. You know, there's obviously been a deal, and Sarah Verde obviously wants Bakurao gone for a reason. Mm-hmm. So 
it's going, you know, they're going to come back. And I think that's the sad truth of it all at the end is that this may have been for nothing. Uh, you know, it may get worse. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. They will, they will have to keep fighting. Yeah. This is, you know, it's like, you're like you said, it's just the beginning. Like what uh, Michael said. Um, I thought, so I just want to go back to like um, the sort of elements. <clears throat> I I just want I really I just want to talk about one scene. Um, okay. So um, when they're practicing uh, capoeira or capoeira, um, like the dancing fight that yeah was, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah the dancing fight scene capoeira, uh, that is um that was actually and it's really cool because I I got to think about this when I was watching it. Um, that was actually created because of um prisons and prison camps that the colonialists came in and created and um they weren't allowed to fight they weren't allowed to have any sort of weapons or anything so they had to fight so they had to spar but they couldn't show that they were sparring so capietto was created as a dance fight so that you could prepare for the fight that you were about to take on without the people that you were going to fight knowing about it so it's like it's 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 so interesting that they were practicing that right before they came in to fight them or to defend themselves. It was kind of like, you know, having the prison break. You know, they were they were having they were practicing their uh capiata uh right before they had to get the stuff done. Um and you know, this and that's kind of like what was happening is that like they had this big cache of weapons. They had this, you know, they have this, you know, fighting sort of anti-imperialist history within, you know, if you, when they go into the museum, you know, you see these sorts of things like, you know, cutting off the heads of imperialists and having that history behind them. They, you know, these white people walked in and they didn't know what they were dealing with. They didn't yeah. know what they were walking into. And so <clears throat> they were ready. And, you know, for them to do these dances and stuff, like, you know, even if a drone was watching, they'd just be like, oh, they're doing their goofy dances. It's the same idea as the origins of this fighting style. Um, It was so cool to watch that and just think about that. And it kind of like was like, oh, yeah, this is good. Um, But, uh, yeah, no, and then they, you know, they didn't realize they were ready to go with mood inhibitors that would make them not care about cutting off their heads. (laughs) <laughs> and yep. I thought it was so cool and it was so striking that scene where the uh the person is looking after their greenhouse and they're completely nude um and uh and they they sneak up to kill the guy and he just blasts his head off and yep. that same weapon is in the museum that same weapon is being held by a, ch- a by a by a kid in a picture you know he was holding the weapon like the the sideways sort of gun thing he was holding that weapon exactly how that guy was holding it. So it was kind of like an indication of a connection there. And that it, was, it might have been, it might have even been him. It might have been picture. even been him. You know, I don't know. But like, uh, so like, you know, that's like, Interesting. yeah. <laughs> yep. And like, I love it. And like, uh, yeah. Anyway, so, and then Michael, Michael pulling a gun out and putting it in his mouth. Interesting. Interesting. What was that? <laughs> that whole end was the most baffling thing to me. You know, I, I, I think it has to do with like the Paris, the parasitic ideals behind like racist colonialism. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it, it will, it, it'll turn on itself the way, the same way it turns on everyone else as well. Mm-hmm. 
maybe something going on there, or or maybe it's just him being crazy. Maybe that was Udo Kier just going, and now this character is going to try and shoot himself. And the directors are like, fuck it, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> there was actually, he was just... He was actually just doing that, and they were filming at the time. <laughs> the- no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, actors, actors will do crazy shit like that, man. Where they'll just, especially like an actor of Udo Kier's quali- caliber, you know, who's worked with like weird directors like Lars Van Trier and mm-hmm. uh, like um, fucking. Uh, oh God, why am I blanking on his name? The King. He wants to see the baby. Werner Herzog. Yeah. Gus Van Sant. Like he's worked with all of these like. Uh, yeah, I can't believe I said that. I'm I would sorry. like to see the baby. Um, yeah, you know that guy, the guy who's known for for his appearance in the Mandalorian. Uh, That's the Herzog. only only thing we're known he's known for. <laughs> no, they poisoned me. Um, but you know he's worked with all these weird method directors. Like I could totally see them. They're just filming him, and then he they're just like he just he Udo Kier feels that in the moment it makes sense for this character to pull out a gun and put it in his mouth. Uh, you know, it's entirely possible. And also, there was a weird moment where he said, what did he say? He said, this is the part where things always get out of hand or something like that. I don't know, like, what he was referencing when he says that. Have they been here before? What has happened here? You know, maybe they've tried this before. I don't know. Obviously. Maybe they have tried it to Bakura before. Yeah. So maybe they maybe it wasn't to this extent, or maybe Michael has been here before. I don't know. You know that that kind of confused me a little bit. Maybe I maybe I missed something there, or maybe he finds that. Um, maybe he finds that whenever they do this with towns, mm-hmm. the people, the people, his the people he's with, always kind of lose control. Maybe he, because a lot of these people seem new at it, right? Like Terry's oh, definitely yeah. new at it. The girls new at it. Maybe, I mean, maybe he's found that they kind of end up destroying themselves in this process. So that's why he doesn't care about picking them off. Yeah. At a certain point, right? Because he, he knows they're gonna he, they're gonna die one way or another in this process, and and maybe you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's very weird. Maybe he's really the main psychopath in all of this. Maybe he's the one because because these people are not supposed to exist here. You know, these people are not supposed to, like you said, I have documentation that proves that elsewhere they are elsewhere, you know? So maybe this is in fact, his big thing is that like, okay, they take care of, they take care of the dirty work at the beginning and then I pick them off or something. And then he just like, and then he decides he's done and he wants to kill himself. Maybe he loses control in his own way. In the end. I mean, he really did because he started picking things off. He shot a dog. He didn't care. He was about to kill himself. Like, this guy was unbalanced, <laughs> you know. At the or maybe end. really, like, and maybe it really all comes down to the idea that, like, at the, at the end of it all, the, at, the, at the end of it all, colonialism is nonsensical, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's, it, it has one focus and one focus in mind. And we know now that even... Even Michael wasn't the guy in charge. He was just sent here right. by, you know, by people. Uh, we know that they were cut off from base when they when they were doing this. So, you know, maybe it all comes down to the fact that, you know, it's this is going to eventually lead to their own demises as well, you know. Because mm. Tony, Tony Jr. probably made some deal with some big corporate entity to build some kind of fucking resort there. 
<laughs> right or something you know like or you know they were on, or there's oil there or there's oil or they they wanted to sell the water or whatever you know like maybe yeah. there was and there's there's been cases of that i mean there have been mm-hmm. cases of entire villages being either relocated or mysteriously destroyed um for a interest that is a resource there um yep and so it's like, Hell, yeah. entire countries have gotten blown up for resources there. Yes, exactly. And, you know, it's been happening for over 200 years, 300 years that people have been destroyed because of, you know, because of people who come in from elsewhere and decide that they want what is there. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, I mean, we used to, you know, it used to be, we used to think more locally when we killed people. Now we think <laughs> globally. Uh, it's like, hey, man, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, oh, what's the word? What's the business word for when you're, you're, oh, it's, uh, <laughs> are you talking about, uh, outsourcing? Or uh, not outsourcing, but like how you grow. It's just, it's, it's, it's exponential growth, you know? Yeah. We, we start small, we get bigger. There's another word for it, but I can't think of it. That's fine. I, um, no, I, so, so it's like, you know, there's this colonial sort of idea and it's become so pervasive in, you know, Western culture and the fact that it's not that you, when things happen locally, you care. When things happen across the world, you don't care. Yet you profit from the things that have happened across the world. So you still wear the clothes, you still wear the shoes, you still drink the coffee, you still, um, you know, eat sugar, you still do all these things, and yet um, you don't think about the price in blood that it had to be paid to have that cup of coffee. You don't think about the, you know, children that died for you to wear those Nikes. You know, it's like one of those things that's just like, you don't think about it because it's here. And you know... (laughs) Yeah, this is gonna get me on my soapbox for a second here. Can I go there <laughs> for a get second? On it. Yeah, Can I get, get on, on it. Okay, get on it. So I believe, and this is really a a thing that I do believe is that you and me, Ben, you know, making you know x amount of dollars in uh, America. I mean, really, any job in America, we are really what you would consider royalty in the world. We are mm-hmm. sort of very privileged people that happen to be born in a certain place and we are now the top you know we we live in um northwest indiana by chicago and we are probably in the top five to ten percent of the entire world in terms of personal wealth you know and there's just you know six billion people living in poverty elsewhere but we don't think about it but we still have our we still have our aluminum we still have our you know we still have our uh, silicon technology we still have our clothing we still have everything and we we, know where our where we know we'll have water tomorrow exactly and well well what i mean to say is and that's not the point what i mean to say is these things come from places so sure sure your your phone your iphone comes from somewhere your you know, everything that we import within our country had some sort of gray space where people might have died in some sort of process. And mm-hmm. there might have been people paid off and there might be slave labor in your in your food. There's slave labor in your clothing. There's slave labor in your in your technology that you use every day and you don't think about. 
and I'm guilty as much as the next person. And it's there, and I believe that, you know, it's like, you know, it's like the royalty in France at the end of the 1700s. I mean, what happened to them? They had cake? Yeah, for sure. And they then, had cake. And then they got their fucking heads cut off. <laughs> <laughs> but no, and that's that's why, and that's really why I believe that military spending is a huge priority in America. Because if we didn't carry a big stick, <laughs> we would get our buildings in New York blown up. Um, but, uh, Whoa. no, but, uh, I mean... Whoa. All right. Anyway, <laughs> that was far. Um, so that was too far. But, uh, you know, colonialism is a huge problem, and it comes with consequences, and there's still a price to be paid. So, that might be a dark I take. <laughs> I, uh, I think that's all. That was all a really good soapbox, Bill. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting it off. I'm putting it away in the closet. No, <laughs> no it was good. I'm glad you said it. Uh, it's something, you know, it's, it's important. It's important to think about. But for now, we are out of time. So I want to move into good sci-fi or bad sci-fi. Bill. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily say this. You Like you said earlier, it's low sci-fi. It's, there are sci-fi elements sprinkled in, but not necessary to tell the story. So this story could have been somewhere else. This could this story could have been without the sort of futuristic elements. This could be happening today and it would be believable. You know, like this could be happening right now and this would be believable. So like when you so like I would say in terms of sci-fi, I feel like N forward slash A is probably the best fill in here. I feel like I feel like the stories that are told are good, and there's a lot of social commentary on this. Um, maybe it made me question how I live my life in a lot of ways, but that's not... I'd say as a dystopian story, it's good sci-fi. I'd say that it's good sci-fi, but in a lot of elements, what somebody, when somebody says sci-fi film, this is not what I think of, but that mean, but it's a great movie. That made me think a lot, and I think that a lot of people need to watch it. So, I'd say in, a, in some dystopian ways it's good sci-fi, but I'd say that it's more on the aspects of social horror. And, and sort of like this sort of mysterious, that, this mysterious entity that's not so mysterious. It's social horror, I, okay sci-fi, okay sci good sci-fi, good sci-fi, I'm going good sci-fi. Final answer. That's good, because I was about to get, get in here, and uh, for me, I, I do think it's good sci-fi, and I do think that uh, while I hear what you're saying as far as, like, it could have been anything else, I, I disagree with it, because we have had that, where it's like, well, this didn't need to be sci-fi, and we have had that, but it makes a very strong point to say a few years from now, you know, it's, uh, is this happening now, you know, is this happening now in a non-hyperbolic way? Absolutely. But I think... The, the point of this is that they're saying it's not going to stop. Like, it may be happening in one village today, but it's going to keep happening, and it's going to keep coming, and it's going to keep getting worse, and it's, it will inevitably get worse. Always. And I think that's, that's the point, until someone finally stops it. But I don't know. If, I don't know if the film is ever 
uh, optimistic that anyone ever will. Um, and, you know, except for the people. And this movie, you know, uh, I did want to say that uh, Monica Castillo of RogerEbert.com, she compares this in the same vein of, like, Parasite and Knives Out mm. and how, like, Hollywood is, is really changing. She talks about how, like, Hollywood is really changing in the kind of stories they're talking, they're looking to tell when it comes to, um, you know, classism and inequality and... This this definitely I I think fits into that kind of like there's there's this like this holy trinity of of class of classism films that like should be taught in every class and yeah should be should be seen by every single person you know like now we have it where it's like yeah you need to watch Parasite you need to watch Knives Out and you need to watch Bakirao mm -hmm. and those three films will help you understand a lot more about the state of of the world now more than ever. And where it's going, also. Yeah. So I think it's good sci-fi. Uh, it's a it's a incredible film. You need to see it. Yeah, but I I will just give it a, a good sci-fi. Yeah, I think it's must see definitely. Must see TV this Thursday <laughs> on NBC. <laughs> yes. So there you have it, folks. There's our takes on Bakirao. Mm. Uh, glad you joined us. Um. Next week, we do have a schedule. Our schedule's up. What? I can skim through it. It's up through uh, through October, through the first week of November, what? actually. I know. So next week, we'll be watching the movie that we missed a, a bit ago called Archive. Um, we're going to be checking that out. Mm -hmm. um, the week after that, we will finally be watching, after I've had many people asking me, we will finally be watching The Stand. Uh, so two weeks to catch up on The Stand. Ladies and gents, it's like eight to ten episodes. You can do it. Mm. It's not hard. Um, uh, you can watch that on Paramount as uh, Paramount Plus now. Uh, then after that, we've got Automata uh, with Antonio Banderas. Mm -hmm. uh, and then after that, uh, October seventh, we you'll uh, will listen to us talk about Upgrade. Uh, that's a Lee uh, McNeil, McKennell or whatever Lee something story they did. Uh, uh, that one from Invisible Man. Uh, then the week after that, uh, October 14th, we're talking about Solos, the Amazon Prime series. Uh, once again, seven episodes. You can catch up. It's fine. Uh, then the week after that, Dune comes out. Oh, yeah. We're talking about Dune. We will have a Friday episode for you. Uh, so when you wake up on Friday morning, you can listen to us tell you whether it's worth it or not. So uh, check that out. Um, and then our Halloween episode this year, which I think we'll save as a little surprise for later. And uh, Lower Decks Season 2 will be the week after that, November 4th. So mm -hmm. uh, check that out there. You can view the, the schedule nowhere because uh, we don't have a website. But <laughs> ask us. Yeah, you should put that up. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, well, you know, we should do a lot of things. Yeah. But we're busy. Busy, busy boys. But yeah, I can't but wait for then. October. Spooky cross-sections. Spooky cross-sections. <laughs> um, so yeah, archive next week. Stay safe, stay healthy. Uh, until next time.